everybody. And uh, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Can y'all, are y'all okay with that? We're okay with that? So I have uh, asked my beautiful bride to uh, help me uh, minister this morning and, and preach. And there might not be a whole lot of preaching. I don't know how much preach. Are you going to preach? Well, well. There's not going to be any preaching this morning. So, <laughs> so uh, but we're just going to, what, what we, what we want to do for this is kind of close out. This is our final week of our homework series. Any of y'all enjoyed homework, right? All three of you, praise the Lord. And it's been a powerful series, and I don't know about you, but it's been some stuff that we've been working out in our own lives, in our own homes. And uh, so we're kind of wrapping that up today. And we're going to answer a really important question that maybe uh, some of you guys have been asking yourselves. And if you're in the faith long, it doesn't matter whether your spouse is in it with you, your kids are in it with you. It's, uh, it's something, a question that you are probably going to ask yourself at one time or another. And the question is this. Should I sit down? I should sit. Can I sit down? Okay, thank you. Did you need my permission? No, I just wanted to make sure you're cool with it. Oh, okay. This is nice. This is, this is better than standing up. It's pretty comfy. Comfy chairs. So here's the question. Y'all ready for the question? The question is this. How can I be a catalyst for change in my house when other members of the family are not interested in changing? Right? So, Rachel, we've, we've talked about all this different stuff, this homework, uh, applying what we're learning at the house of God at home, growing our homes, not just being a Christian on Sundays, right? But, but allowing God to work in your, in your most private and personal uh, place, which is your home. And, and so, but we're asking ourselves, what does that look like whenever, whenever pastor preaches a sermon on order and, uh, you're, you're the only member of the family. Let's say uh, in families, we, we talked about this too. Families look like all different. Families are all shapes, sizes, ages, in different uh, stages of life. But what does it look like when somebody in your family doesn't want to go in the same direction spiritually um, as, as you do? And you're excited about what God's doing. Maybe you heard that word on order and you're like, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go have order in our house. But you're the only one that wants it. You know, does this make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? You're the only one that wants it. So I'm going to read that question again. How can I be a catalyst for change in my house when other members of the family are not interested in changing? So you've heard all this information and you run home and you try to apply it and you get... uh, Slapped in the face, not literally, uh, hopefully, but you get, you get shot down, right? You come home, you're all excited about what God's doing and boom, not everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And it might not, not just be your spouse. Maybe it is your spouse, but maybe your kids or just other relatives that you might be close to, or maybe, uh, close friendships that you may have. Maybe you changed and, and they didn't. So it could be those relationships as well. But I, I just wanted to start out with an encouragement today. If that's if if this is something that you've encountered uh, through this series or at some point in your spiritual journey, um, the encouragement is this: they do want to change. They just don't know it yet. Amen. They do want to change. The real them, the them that Jesus died for, they do want to change. They just don't know it yet. How many of y'all remember? Whenever before you, how many of y'all remember your life before you allowed Jesus Christ to change it? Y'all remember it? How many of y'all regret the change? Nobody, right? Nobody regrets it whenever Jesus comes in and blows their life up, right? Nobody regrets that, but you don't know that you won't regret it till you don't know that you're not going to regret it, right? So, so how do I become a catalyst for change in a home that uh, the other family members don't want to do it. And so what that can look like, Rachel, like you were saying, that can look like so many different things. That could be a, a wife comes and gets on fire for God and the husband isn't. A husband 
gets born again and the wife isn't totally on board. That could be a husband and a wife uh, get, get born again and the kids don't want to have anything to do with it, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't want to have any, anything to do with it at all. And uh, so th- those are all tough places to be, right? So how do, how do I uh, become an agent of change in an area where change doesn't really seem like it can happen? So we're going to talk about that. And you want to you go ahead and start it off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we thought we'd kick it off with um, a story that has happened over the last couple of years um, in our home. And um, so, you know, maybe you hear, like Colby said, you hear stuff at church, and then maybe you run home and you're like, let's do this. And somebody in your home or that you're close to is like, no, like, I don't want to do that. And um, so Colby um, had a couple of years ago had started making some changes in his life and spiritually just really growing in God and, and lots of things were happening and changing in him. And he came home to me and started telling me about these things. And I didn't understand the things that he was telling me. Like they didn't make sense to me. And I think that that's probably could be how some of your family members feel. Like maybe you've gone home and wanted to make some changes and they're like, why would I like, how is that going to make things better? Maybe they don't understand. And so Colby came, you know, to our house and he's like, hey, like God's showing me this. And he was explaining these things to me that God was showing him. And I actually said the words to him, like, how is that going to help me in everyday life? I don't understand what you're telling me or like, what's the purpose of that? It was like popping a balloon. I was like... But I just, I didn't understand, you know, I, I literally like, he's telling me these things and I'm like, he's so excited about them. And so I'm thinking, okay. And, and I listened to the whole thing. I listened to his whole, you know, revelation from God. And I'm like, cool. I don't get why that matters though. So I don't see how that's going to help me. (laughs) She was like, that's the stupidest revelation I've ever heard. (laughs) Why are you smiling right now? It makes no sense. But anyways, Yeah, like it was God was doing this, I mean, like major work in my life and and I was excited about it and and I was wanting to bring her along and get her on board and uh, she was not on on the same page. But it's really cool because, I I mean, I can remember the day when I said those words to him. I I remember and I wasn't mad. I was just like, I don't understand how that's going to help. And maybe you've had the same thing in your home where somebody was like, you went home and you drew the little house that pastor had and you're like, look at this. This is revolutionary. This is life changing. And they're like, I don't see how this is going to help me with everyday life. It's like a little little house. Yeah, I don't get it. With words on it. So I remember the day that that I said that to him, that I was like, that's cool, but I don't understand. And um, after that day, he kind of stopped sharing things with me for a season um, that were personally going going on in his life. Like he didn't come and share those things with me anymore. Um, but I could see the change in him. And so over time I was like, wow, Colby's a different person. He's not the same person that I used to know. And, um, like God was doing things in him and he was changing and I could see it, but he wasn't telling me about it anymore. But then I started asking about it because I was like, I see that you're different. Like, what is that about? Can I hear more about what God's doing in your life? And so that's kind of the story of, of how, you know, things started changing in us. And then Colby remembers the day that a couple years later that I came home and shared with him the exact same revelation that he had shared with me two years earlier. And I was like, guess what? And I told him this whole thing. And he was like, that's amazing, babe. He's like, I remember when I told that to you. <laughs> And you weren't excited about it. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, you know, that I, <laughs> that I did that. But so, so like we, we were both born again. Right. And so your situation might not look just like ours. Uh, we, we were both born again, both going to church. We were on the same page in that aspect. But when God began to do something new and fresh in my life, um, then there was all of a sudden kind of a divide that, um, uh, that took place and, and it was it was frustrating for me because I wanted to drag her along. But the real truth is is we can't make people get stuff. Right? I couldn't make her get what nobody could make me get. 
like the way I got it was by the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit illuminating something, turning a light switch on for me. And so me trying to illuminate that same thing for her, like I found out real quick, I wasn't the Holy Spirit, which is really disappointing because I would really like to be the Holy Spirit, right? And because I could fix everybody's life like that. But that's a joke. I'm I'm just joking. The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is the timing, I think, because he knows us. And so he knew that that was the time for Colby to receive these things from God. And then, you know, when it was time for me, he knew when I was ready. And he knows the same thing for you and your family. And and yeah, he can handle his job. So we want to give you all three things, uh, three pretty practical things that you can take home and apply to your family and, and, and do and uh, we, I believe that if, if you'll stay faithful to God in, in your own life, in your own walk with him, that he's going to begin to work through your life and, and it's going to have an impact on the people that uh, live in your home and not just in your home, but on your extended family and parents and people also that you have close contact with um, because the, they're a part of the equation too, right? Like the sermon... Uh, was it last week's sermon about dealing with the home of your past? Well, maybe you ran home and picked up the phone and called your mom. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not thinking about not inviting you to Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Like maybe, maybe that. So, so like it's, it's a work that has to happen and that God wants to use us in. So the first, uh, the first thing that we, that we can do to become a catalyst for change in a home that hasn't fully embraced the change that you have is the first thing is you take responsibility for your personal obedience to God, right? You can't fix nobody but you. <laughs> you can't make anybody change, but you can allow God to change you. When, when I'm doing marriage counseling with people, um, uh, I tell everybody, they'll come in and they'll be like, he's, he's being the biggest uh, special person ever. It's going to do it to me. He's, he's, he's being this, this, this you know, and, and I don't know what to do. And I'll look at him and I'll say, well, what if I told you, what if I told you that you could make your bank account 50% more today? How many of you would take that deal? You can increase it by 50%. You can make an investment and receive 50% return on it. Bruce, I'm not very good at it. I've lost a lot of money in the stock market. But somebody like you, but yeah, is that a good deal? 50% return? And I tell people, you can, make a fi- you can increase your relationship by 50% right now. And they're like, how? And I'm like, let God deal with you. You change. Every single time, it's like the same answer. Well, I don't need to change. They're the ones that's irritating, right? But it's, it's, it's hard to understand, but we can make every relationship better by allowing God to work in us. Amen? So you're, 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 take responsibility for your personal obedience to God. Your first priority and responsibility is your personal relationship with Jesus. Say that. Say, say that's me. Your personal relationship with Jesus. Um, it's really funny. We're, we're just kind of talking through all this, but th- there's been people in the past that, uh, that we knew, and I'm, I'm, I think of different situations, and that they, the people don't go here anymore. There's, this has happened more than once, but it's somebody who comes and says, uh, my spouse, if they would just be the head of the house, Right? If they would just serve God, if they would just come to church, then everything would be better. My problem is my spouse, right? And then they wind up getting a divorce. And so the problem goes away. And then they don't serve God. And it's like, hold up. I thought that everything was going to get better if if that got fixed and you, you got rid of that side of the equation and now all of a sudden you didn't, you, you're, st- you're not coming to church before you said the reason you weren't coming to church was because they didn't come to church. Well, now they're not in a part of the equation and you still don't come to church. Ouch. Is that too mean? But the problem is they didn't take re- responsibility for their own personal obedience to God. 
This is about your personal obedience to God. Will you read Genesis, I mean, Joshua 24? Yeah, Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow. So that's a, a, a kind of an irritating scripture if you're in the boat to where not everybody in your house is on the same page. Because he says, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But in reality, the only person that you can truly influence into serving the Lord is who? It's you. Now, if you're a husband and a father, you can sure as heck lay down some some ground rules. You can be the head of your home. I'll never forget my my the the message in in my home growing up was uh, always growing up. It was kind of you know we're not going to force God on you, and 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 you're going to kind of go at your own pace. Which I took that as I'm not serving God, and you can't make me right. That's the way I did it. And then my parents started going to this weird church down the street in a strip center called the Remnant. And they started learning different things. And I'll never, I was 17 years old. I'd never been to camp in my life because I didn't want to go. And they didn't really make me do things that I didn't want to do. And I was walking down the stairs to my house. And my dad said, hey, we signed you up for camp. And I thought, well, that's no big deal. I said, well, that, y- y'all, can, y'all don't have to do that. I don't want to go. And he said, well, you're going. And the hell that broke loose whenever, because as for him and his house, they were serving the Lord, right? I went to camp, but my heart was not for God. So do you understand what I'm saying? Like, he could influence the, the decisions I made because he was in charge, but he could not influence my heart. The only heart you can truly take responsibility for is your own. So as for me and my house, right, you can allow God to influence your heart and what he's doing in you. You have to take responsibility for your personal obedience. And if you are a parent and, 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 or a husband, you can, you can make those decisions and and decisions for your children and what's what what your family's going to be doing but you can't influence anybody's heart right you can't how many of y'all have tried to make your children serve the lord right right and sometimes it it works and if they don't want to they're not going to and that's frustrating but it allows us to keep looking inward to what we want to do Romans 14, yeah. 22. All right. Romans 14, 22 says, cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. You're fortunate if your behavior and your belief are coherent. That's powerful. It's good. That's really good. You know, another um, situation that Colby and I were talking about um, that happens sometimes uh, in a marriage uh, or even with kids, like what you said, um, a lot of times people, maybe they get married before they uh, have a relationship with God. And let's say both of them don't know God and they get married. And then one of them comes to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And um, it creates conflict in the home, but the one that's gotten born again is maybe angry at the other one who is not serving God. But I just think it's a good reminder to remember that that person who's not serving God is just being the same person that you married. So, you know, sometimes we're expecting something, but if you're the one that changed, you're the one that changed. They're still the person, you know, that you chose to marry. So I think that that's an, this scripture, uh, the Romans fourteen twenty two, is a great example of, you know, taking responsibility for our personal obedience to God. And if, if you weren't serving God, you know, when you got married, we can't, like Colby said, we can't force our spouse to serve God, but we can cultivate our own relationship with God. And so I think that's something really important to remember. I've seen that happen several times or somebody you'll have somebody who was saved and like serve and they know about God and then they college and different areas they they dip down here and they're not really serving the Lord and they get married and then they get married and have their first kid and all of a sudden it's like all right we're back on the Jesus train 
And the husband's like, excuse me? Wait, wait, what, what Jesus trained? You, you never said Jesus one time <laughs> while we were acting a fool, while we were dating, right? And now all of a sudden we're going to jump on the Jesus train. So this is all about taking your, your responsibility for your personal obedience to Jesus. So if you're in here and you're discouraged, my spouse is not where they need to be. My kids are not where they need to be. My parents will not get on board with what's going on in my life. Then I just want to encourage you, take responsibility for your personal obedience to Jesus. You can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. You can't change your children, right? You can be an influence. You can be an agent of change, a catalyst for change. But you can allow God to do something totally crazy in your own heart, right? And, and, and what will that look like? Will that be a guarantee that my spouse or my children are going to come around to this? No. But what I can guarantee is that God is going to continue a great work that he started in your life. And in a life with him is the life that I want and that I think all of us desire. Go for it. All right. First Peter three. one. It says in the Bible. Says the stuff in the Bible. Yeah. Believe it or not. I didn't even make it up. (laughs) It says wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives wow that's powerful and i think you can go i mean i'm I'm, this isn't about this isn't a sermon for wives there are men in here and, and and you are on a spiritually in a spiritually different place than than your wives and children are and and i'm telling you if you'll allow God to do this work in you, it says they will be won over without words by the behavior of your life. That's powerful. Like when, when Rachel, the, the thing that got her on board with what God was doing in my life was whenever she just saw a consistent and steady change, right? This is like two years, two years of walking a certain way and making certain decisions and, and, and allowing God to cultivate that change in my life. And finally, she looks at me and she's like, you know, you're different. Like, tell me about that. What does that look like? And now the door's open for a conversation for change. Amen. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You want to invite up? So we have four chairs up here. Yes, we do. And there for... Uh, for a couple of people that we're going to bring up and uh, really cool people and they have a powerful story. And so would y'all give uh, Casey and Emily Shaw a hand clap as they come and join us. Help her up, Casey. There you go. Good job. So sweet. So as, as we were preparing, uh, preparing for this message, I, I thought about... Um, Emily and Casey in their story. And a lot of you guys don't know their story. And we've got Bible stories that we're talking about today. And I love Bible stories. How many of y'all like Bible stories? But like, I like stories that are like real life Bible stories, like today. You know what I'm saying? And this is a real life Bible story. And so we're going to talk about their story and, and how God's worked in their lives. And, and, and I think it'll be an encouragement for those of you that are that are uh, in this boat. Yes, so Casey and Emily, they have uh, an encouraging story, and so we're just going to have them uh, share a little bit about it today. So Emily, I want to ask you, tell us about your coming to Christ and how that affected your family and specifically your relationship with Casey. Well, first of all, you have to excuse my voice. I went on a hayride, and this happened. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Um, so whenever our third child was born. He had to be life lighted. Um, anyways, I was, I got saved. Um, and things in my life started changing. Like how long ago was that? Four years, four years, four, 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 almost five, four and a half. Um, but like immediately I used to cuss like a sailor and 
I didn't want to cuss anymore. Like, I didn't like it. It made me super uncomfortable. We used to listen to horribly what dirty kind of words? comedians. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> we used to listen to, like, really bad comedians that told really horrible jokes, and it just made me really uncomfortable. Like, I, I hated listening to things like that. I didn't like watching certain things. Um, so, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you remember some of those jokes? I do. Does I'm anybody else in here them. only remember the bad jokes? And you can't remember like a good joke for the save your life? My brother. He's, he's the only one. Okay, sorry, Emily. I didn't mean to interrupt okay. you. So. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I didn't really know um, what was going on because I hadn't been raised. I was baptized as a baby, and I just had always believed that if you were baptized as a baby, you were good to go. Um, you didn't have to do anything else. And um, so I started reading my Bible because I figured that would be a good thing to do to figure out what's happening. And then um, whenever Watson was put into the hospital, uh, my kids actually went to the academy, Remnant Academy. And so I guess Emily had told her mom and dad what had happened. And so they called us. And they actually came up, and um, Pastor Dennis went in with Casey and prayed over Watson, and Pastor Jan went in with me. And I thought, that's pretty amazing that, like, these folks came up here to Austin. And um, nobody else did. And uh, so anyways, whenever I was having all of these different emotions, like all these things happening that I didn't know about, like what is going on in my life and why don't I want to cuss anymore um, and other things, I called Pastor Jan, because that seemed like the logical thing to do. And she explained to me um, what was going on and encouraged me to just keep reading my Bible, and so I did. And um, every time I would read it, I would just ask God to show me whatever he wanted me to see. Um, So I realized that I had been born again, and I was like on this new path, this new journey, and I wasn't the same person that this one had married. <laughs> so how did that affect your relationship um, with Casey? I think in, sometimes it would strain it and cuz we've always been able to talk about anything like anything. Um and we've been together since high school and so anything that has ever happened like we know about it and there were just some things like I couldn't tell my best friend. Like, I felt uncomfortable talking to him or, like, he didn't know what I was talking about, so he's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> so did you ever try to push him to join you in your journey? Um, <clears throat> I did, and I, I did in the beginning. So we had actually gone, I had started, after we had our first kid, we started going um, back to the church he had grown up in. And um, so he kept going to that church, but there were things that I was reading that didn't quite mesh with what the Word of God said and the things that we were doing. So it was, I tried to like talk to him about that. (laughs) He didn't. Change. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it really, it, it strained us because I was like, Casey, I was, I remember I came home and I was like, Casey, I got saved. He was like, okay, <laughs> let's go feed the cows. <laughs> well, okay. But there were just some things. I can that, hear him saying that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because that wasn't something that he grew up with either. Like it wasn't something. And, you know, how do you sit down and like, well, let me tell you in the Bible, you know, that's not <laughs> what he wanted to hear. <clears throat> And so, Casey, what ended up making you start coming to this church? I prayed about it a lot, and there was this tugging inside telling me that I needed to go to church with my family. So did the change that you saw in Emily influence you in any way to make a change in your own life? She always influences me. <laughs> but so, so how long did you come to church here um, and, and you're reading your Bible, and you're, you're on this new spiritual journey. How long was that before Casey started coming to church here? Like, was that like two weeks? It was about two years. Two years. 
<clears throat> wow. Yeah, it, um, Sundays, I never really talked to him about it, but like Sundays were always, like I loved coming to church, but then after we got home from church, because he would get up and his church started at, I don't know what time it started. It started earlier. So he would leave and go to church, and I would get the kids, and we would come here. And then we would get home, and there was always, like, I wanted to share, like, what I had heard at church because it was so good. Like, I had my notes. But it, I, I don't know. It was like we were in two totally separate worlds living in the same house, and I almost felt like oh my gosh. we were taking a walk, but, like, we weren't together. And I was so, it was like I was lonely, and Sundays were the days that reminded me of how lonely I was. Monday through Saturdays, like, they were good. Like, we didn't have to talk about church, nothing like that. (laughs) But on Sundays, it was just like, well, we had just both come back from our own churches, and neither one of us wanted to share that part of our life, which was super lonely because we share everything. You know, and this isn't like a a throw Casey under the bus uh, thing, right? <laughs> Two years, you loser. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're, that's not what we're doing. We're, this is so powerful. And, and if, if I know that the Holy Spirit, what she's saying is it is, is ringing on the inside of so many of you in here, uh, because you feel those same types of ways. But, uh, you know, Casey was working, right? Casey was providing for his family, Casey was being faithful. He was a protector. He was doing all the things that a husband does. They just weren't on the same page spiritually. And, and what I love about their story is that Emily was faithful to her personal obedience to God, right? She allowed Jesus to change her for two years. I'll never forget whenever Casey first came in. I was like, wow, wow. Like, I mean, I mean, it was, it was powerful. And, and y'all know this, this, this dude is like the poster child for the remnant church. Now he's like, I mean, he's like, he's, he's a part, he's in ministry. I mean, he loves God. He loves his family, loves children. He loves, I mean, this is, this is a, it's, it's a miracle story about God working in people. And y'all, we always want to be at the finish line, don't we? Like we want the end product and we want it to all be okay and we want it to just be done. And, and there's some of you out there and you're like, you see Casey and Emily up here and you're like, man, I just want to be there. But there's a process and a journey of what, look, God is using all these circumstances, right? All of our situations to, to work in us a, a, a relationship with him. So over two years, Emily grew closer to God and Casey grew closer to God. That's the story. Amen. That's what's powerful. And so it's, it's so encouraging to me to hear this story. And, and, and maybe this is the fairy tale for you. And I don't know if your story will end up like this, but I know that God's good. And I know that God's faithful. And I know that sticking with him is the right thing to do. Amen. One thing, can I say, uh, um, one thing that I wanted to mention was, and I think you would ask this and I skipped over it, but, um, with Casey, I never, I think maybe a couple of times, because I'm kind of bossy sometimes. No. <laughs> just sometimes, though. And like, I like Casey things. just not even saying anything. <laughs> he knows it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so like there was, in the beginning, I think there were a few times whenever, oh, I would just get so upset. And I was just like, I don't know why you just can't come to church with us. And I would cry, be all upset. And he's just like, okay. But he didn't come. <laughs> um and so I stopped doing that and started, I invited him to church. Hey, do you want to come to church with us today? He'd say no. And I would say, okay. And then we would go out the door. Um, but that was about all the fighting that, like, that we would do. But then whenever I would come here, I would fight for him, like, over oh, that's the good. prayer team. Oh, that's good. Um, the very first time, I remember there was a song. I don't remember what the song was. And I was thinking about Casey and just wishing that he was here and that he could experience this with me. And I turned to like, because I was crying and I don't want to show people that I cry. So I was walking out, going to the restroom to go ball my eyes out. And Pastor Jan caught me and brought me back in and said, you need to come over here and pray with these people. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, but I did. And so instead of fighting with him, I fought for him and That's fought so for good. us. 
Um, <laughs> wow. So do you have any other, uh, what would your advice be to someone else in this situation? Do you have anything else that you want to say? Um, <clears throat> one thing that Pastor had told me was, Emily, are you more powerful than God? And I said, no. <laughs> and he was like, then why do you think you can change your husband? And I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> and so that was one thing is um, you're not more powerful than God. So pretty much fight for them. Don't fight with them is what I would say. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. It's so good. Fight for them, not with them. I mean, that's better than anything I got written down. I, mean, I got nothing that good. Wow. Fight for them, not with them. And, and, and just allow God to be working in your own life. And, and that's one thing. Uh, I mean, when, when Emily got born again, I mean, she didn't stop. And, and you just steadily saw her growing. Um, and, and you know that, that her husband is seeing these changes and, and just the way she handled it is, is a lot of what we're going to talk about uh, here in the next few minutes. But uh, what a powerful testimony. Uh, thank you, guys, so much for sharing with us. And, you know, that's, that's personal. You know what I mean? Like, some, we don't talk about stuff like that. Like, what was it like when you came to church and your husband didn't? Like, nobody talks about that, right? But that's, that's, that's for you guys to open up and, and be vulnerable. And for, for Casey, for you to sit on this stage, it's powerful. And, uh, and share your testimony. Because I'm telling you, they might not admit it, but there are, they're, they're, these seats are full of people that feel there's wives and husbands that feel like they're alone in their spiritual journey. And they're wondering, when is God going to do what God's going to do. And, and, and I just want to encourage you, stay faithful because God's going to do what God's going to do. Amen. And there's nothing anybody can do to make it happen. It's his power alone. So thank you guys so much for sharing. Y'all give them a hand clap. We appreciate y'all. Totally involved and uh, continuing to allow God to grow in their lives. And they're just getting started. Amen. So am I. Hallelujah. That's so good. I love it. Yes, we do. Oh, my gosh. You talk too much. I knew, I oh, is that why you brought me up here? So you could blame me? <laughs> oh, okay. It's all clear to me now. It all makes sense. <laughs> take it away, Ray Ray. Okay. So point number one was take responsibility for your personal obedience to God. Amen. And number two is be a safe place. And we have a few different ways that you can be a safe place. Um, the first one is to share. This is what she was talking about. But be a safe place. What we're talking about is a lot of times the, the saved person, like somebody will come and like God's doing something awesome in their lives. And they're like the one in the family that everybody avoids. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Like this person, because it's because we're on fire and we want everybody to get what we have. But in, in the process of, of what God's doing in us, we become the most obnoxious and irritating person the, the world has ever known, right? And we become the people that, that, we become the person that people avoid in the family whenever we should be the one that people can safely come to and get ministry and get, get loved on. And so you want to be a safe place uh, in your family. So go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, yeah. And the first way that you can do that is to share. You can share what God is doing. Share with others. Like Emily was saying, maybe a few times she shared what God was doing in her. Share what God's doing in you and then pray for what you want God to do in them. So instead of telling them like, hey, Colby, here's my list of things that I need you to do. You know, this is how you need to change your spiritual relationship with God. Um, instead of just, you know, giving that list, instead you can pray for what you want God to do in them or for what God wants to yes. do in them. John four twenty eight. it tells a story about the woman at the well, and I'm not going to uh, do the whole thing, but, but it's really cool because she goes and has this, there's this woman, and, and she goes and has this life-changing experience with Jesus, Right? Is this whole? It's a whole chapter, and and she has this encounter with Jesus, and she goes back home to her town, and and 
she said, come see a man. She told everybody uh, back in the town, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And so the reason that was so powerful, she came and she shared what God had done in her life. And I promise you, whenever she told them she met a man who knew everything she had ever done, because this woman had slept with like half the town, right? She had five husbands and the man she was living with was not her husband. Jesus called her out on it. When she comes back and tells the town, y'all, he knew everything I've ever done. And he still forgave me. Because see, the people in your house, they know you the best. And whenever they see you truly change, they're going to want to know what kind of God is this that could forgive a person like that. Maybe y'all aren't married to the people I think you're married to. I don't know. Maybe you don't have the kids that I think you have. But right, what kind of God could forgive? And and y'all, they all run out to see Jesus because she shared what God was doing in her. All right, the next one that you can do to be a safe place is to shine. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's good. People are always more interested in what you do than what you say. Mm. Amen. Some of y'all talk too much. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking. Just joking. Shine. Just let your light shine. Amen? The next thing is remember. If you want to be a safe place, the safest, the, the, the way to be a safe place is to remember. And it's so funny to me, Rachel, how we can be so quick to forget what God has brought us out of. Right? Like, we get on board with God, and then we're like, we look at everybody else like, what's y'all's problem? And I'm like, three weeks ago, you were living in the sewer of sin. And now you're trying to act like you're holier than thou and everybody else is beneath you. No, we've got to remember what God has brought us out of. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. Here it comes. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. Here it is. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Spirit. It wasn't that long ago. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago before you decided to allow God to work in your life, right? And, and I think it's, it, 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 if we can always remember, my God, Jesus has brought me out of the mud, right? Jesus has pulled me out of something I could not pull myself out of, and it'll cause patience and compassion instead of criticism and judgment for those that were that we're believing God for. Amen. So remember, remember, if you remember what God's done in your life, it's going to make you a safe place. All right. And the next one is love, how to be a safe place. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. That's the kind of love. Jesus loved us while we were, right? And I think that's the kind of love that lives on the inside of us. So when I say love them in the state that they're in, you won't be able to do that in your own strength. You won't be able to do that in your own power. That is going to be the love. The only love that can love people where they are, not where you want them to be, is the love of Jesus. Amen? Love them. Yes, and the next one is listen. Mm. Listen. Colby wrote, Mm -hmm. this is my biggest struggle. Did you want to share? It's my favorite Beyonce song. So how to be a uh, safe place. Listen. Listen. This is my biggest struggle. You know why? Because I talk a lot. <laughs> I'm over my time right now. Right? I talk a lot. And, and I see myself doing this to my kids. And a safe place listens. And I'm preaching to myself right now. 
without talking sometimes. Like, y'all, my kids can come and tell me about their day or about something, a friend that hurt their feelings or something. And like, while they're talking, I have developed a sermon outline. I'm not joking. Tanya, I've got like four points, sub points, scriptures, quotes by famous people. I've got the whole thing outlined while they're talking. And, and, and I'm, I'm realizing that if I don't shut up, right, sometimes and not preach at people and just listen, then people aren't going to want my, my kids, my wife, the place that they should be able to come and just, I mean, it's, the, it's awful with her, right? I mean, because it's, it's easy to fix all the stuff she goes through. It's easy to fix. So easy to fix, but that's not what she wants me to do. Yeah, when people are, sorry. are sharing with you. I feel like we're having a moment right now. Aww. When people are sharing with you, yeah, I think it's important to not be, like, developing what you're wanting to say back while they're talking. Who does it? Raise your hand. To I mean, I think we devil. all do it. I think we all do it. I mean, especially when people are going on and on. You're like, you're not really listening because you're, you're, you know, make, you're for. You're, the worst you're getting together stories. what it is that you're going to say, you know, to them in return. But that's not really listening, right? I can see my kids. I'll start to tell them. And I'm telling them revolutionary stuff. This is stuff that could change the world. And they're like, like they glaze over. It's gone. And Gracie, she even, what did she say? Sermon mode. Sermon mode. That means I'm not listening to anything you're saying. Because I just wanted to come and tell you that my friend hurt my feelings. Not that, you know, back in Genesis chapter (laughs) 3. So it's not your job to fix anything. It's Mm. your job to develop and maintain the relationships in your home. Jesus did not die to fix us. He dies to bring us into a relationship with him. Oh, my gosh. When we are a safe place and maintain the relationships in our homes... We make room for God to work. That is so good. So those are the ways to be a safe place. And number three, the last thing, and if, if you are discouraged about uh, people in your family not being on the same page as you are with God, uh, I just want to encourage you with this. Number three, trust that Jesus is at work. Trust that God is working in your family. And this is the hardest thing to do because we want to make things happen, don't we? There's nothing we can do to make people change. Listen to this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it to me and everybody in this room because it's something that we need to get. We are not in control. And And if I can get to a place where I can just admit to God, God, I'm not in control. You're in control of the people that I love. I think God's going to have a lot of room to work. We want to do it on our timetable in our way, right? Can't you think of like 17 good ways for your spouse to get right with God? <laughs> right? Right? And Terry Robertson's like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, but one of the hardest things to do is say, here it comes, God I trust you with my whatever it is. I trust you with my wife. I trust you with my husband. I trust you with my children. I trust you with my parents. Now, please don't take, there's always another side to every single message. If somebody is beating you and putting you in harm's way and disrespecting you and and, and, listen to me, I'm not saying, God, I trust you with them while they smash my face in. That's not the message that you're getting today, and I pray that you don't hear that. Amen. I'm saying if, if, if you're in a place where you know God can work in people's lives, then trust God to do that. Amen? Go ahead. God doesn't need us to be perfect for his plan to happen in our families. The pressure is off. It is not up to us. Amen? He just needs us to trust him. Philippians 1 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We have to trust him. That's so good. I want to finish by saying this. Your kids are more God's kids than they are your kids. Right? 
you know, kids is something that uh, we really struggle with. And as, as parents, I don't know if you've ever said this, but you're like, man, I don't know if I'm just screwing my kids up. Has anybody ever said that? Like, I think I'm messing my children up, right? I, I think because we want to control everything. But y'all, and in, in, in doing so, in trying to make everything right for our children, we overcompensate and we mess them up the opposite way. Right, y'all know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Like, like, I'm going to, I don't want them to go through the same things I went through or have to. So, so I'm going to tell them that they're awesome and, and, and that they're wonderful. And that's good. Tell your kids they're awesome and wonderful. That's awesome. But there has to be a point to where we do the only thing that God has put us on this earth to do for our children. And that's to lead them to him. Like that's the thing, right? Like I'm telling my kid, I'm telling my girls, you're all just beautiful princesses. And the problem is they're going to grow up and not recognize their need for a savior because their dad told them that they were all that in like 37 bags of chips. Like, what do I need Jesus for? I'm amazing. Yeah. I'll never forget the first day I, I figured that out. I set Zoe down and I was just like, Zoe, I want you to know there's something bad wrong with you. <laughs> you have been stained by the darkness of sin. I'm serious. She's like, oh. Because my job is not to raise perfect children. My job is to raise children that recognize their need for Christ. That's our job as parents. So am I messing them up? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Listen, the, the sermon that I preached last week about, about my parents packing my bag, you better believe I have already started packing Zoe and Gracie's bags. It is not my job to raise perfect children. It is my because I'm not perfect. It is my job to raise children that realize their desperate need for Jesus. So yes, sweetie, I screwed you up. I messed you up. Now you're going to go to Jesus like everybody else did, and you're going to get right. Right? Right? And so I don't know where that came from. That was just a little... Amen. That was for free. Oh, it's because I read this sentence. Your kids are more God's kids than they are your kids. Your spouse is more God's child than they are your spouse. Your parents are more God's children than they are your parents. God cares about the people you care about most more than you do. And he is faithful to complete his work in their lives. Amen. Trust that Jesus is at work. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Our heart in, in sharing with you today is just to know that, that you hear all this stuff, and I think it's easy to be discouraged, right? Because we're, we're talking about homework, and you go home, and you try to apply some of the things you're learning, and you experience resistance, and it can become discouraging. But I want to I challenge you, don't be discouraged. God, just like he's at work in your life, God is at work in their lives, amen? We serve a faithful God. And he is faithful to complete what he started in every single one of our lives. So I just want you to leave today encouraged. Know that you can take responsibility for your own personal obedience to God. Know that you can be a safe place in your home. And know, know, know that we can trust that Jesus is at work in our families. Amen? Amen. Before we leave, we, we 